cell tower. The rock and roll libertarian himself. It's time to blast off with Johnny Rocket. Hey, this is Blast Off with Johnny Rocket, and I'm here with my rant truth, the beautiful Miss Rayleigh Lightheart. Hello, hello. Hey, Johnny. How you doing, Ray Ray? Doing great. How are you? I'm excited. I'm okay. Just working long hours. I got this new job, and it's, uh, it's killing me. I'm going to be honest with you. You'll live. I know, but I'm like getting four hours a night of sleep and stuff like that. I'm bothering Kim and stuff like that. It's crazy. I don't know. But it's a cool job. It's like right up my alley. You know, it's awesome because I'm doing audio video work and I'm like wearing, I don't actually have to do construction or anything. So I'm proud of that. That's your wheelhouse. Yeah. Yeah. No. Right. So anyways, Aurelene, how you doing? Really good. I was going to ask you, did you get your copy of the 2019 Libertarian Dad Bod calendar yet? I did not. Well, actually I did. I just. Really haven't want, I didn't really want to look at it. You didn't want to look at it? No. And you want to be in it? You should know what your competition is, Johnny. No. I'm telling you. No. It's some I'm good. stiff competition. I got, it. I got it for next year. I know I got it. I'm going to win. I don't know what that means. I was sad there were only 12 months. Only 12 months. There were only 12 months. I was like a not 15. Mm. So I have to get another one next year. Yeah, so hopefully I make the next one. I'm excited to do that. But Raylene, you know what? This is going to be a really really big show. I know. So anyways, uh, are you ready for this great show? I know I am. Okay, cool. Raylene, prepare for liftoff. Copy that, Johnny. Covers, tie-downs, and grounding cables. Removed as required. Communications connected. Check. Preamps in the green. Check. Cold beer. Double check. All thrusters are hot. Raylene, are you ready to rock? All systems go, Johnny. Let's blast off with the candidates for the 2020 Libertarian Presidential Nomination! Johnny Rocket and Rayleigh Lightheart. And uh, first off, I want to say thanks to Ben Letter very much for putting together this debate here with all you fine libertarians. Uh, so thanks a lot for putting together this debate. So all we had to do is moderate it. That was pretty easy, right? Thanks, host. Right on, man. Thanks, Ben. Thanks to all the candidates for, you know, accepting the invite and uh, showing up to uh, on this show, Libertarian Party, celebrate our uh, 47th birthday as a party tonight. Together, I think that's awesome. Right on, man. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Ground control to Johnny Rocket. Ground control to Johnny Rocket. I apologize, but we are experiencing some problems with Ben Letter's connection. I will continue to work to try to resolve the problem. At first, I thought he was just drunk, but no, we are having technical difficulties. You know, upon launch, you did ask Raylene if communications were connected, and she did say check. Sometimes I feel like she just pretends to listen to you. I mean, I do it all the time, but then again, I'm the editor, so I can always rewind if I need to. Anyways, I'll update you if I'm able to find a solution. Over and out. Okay, so before we start these questions, what we figured we would do, Raylene and I would, would have all of you candidates start off with an opening statement. Order will be based on the poll from the Blast Off with Johnny Rocket and Raylene Lightheart Facebook page. Uh, so candidates, please keep these opening statements under three minutes, and we're going to go based on the polls and the numbers on the poll. So the first one, who's the highest, would be candidate one, Miss Kimberly Roth. Kim Roth is an operations director for plastic and steel fabrication plant, Libertarian Party activist, and mother of two. Ruff is 
has been an active member of the LP since 2009. During her tenure, she founded the Niagara County LP, participated on the 2017 Bylaws Committee, served as Secretary, Vice Chair, and Arizona State Coordinator of the Libertarian Party Radical Caucus. She sat on multiple committees on both county and state level in Arizona and New York and has worked in various capacities for local, state, and federal libertarian candidates. I present to you, Ms. Kim Ruff. You may go. Thank you. I'm not really sure what I should add to this in addition to my biography. Obviously, I am running for president on the Libertarian Party ticket in 2020, and there's myriad reasons why we're doing so, which is first, to be a messenger for the principles of liberty and use the wider platform inherent in seeking a higher level position to articulate the message. Second, to use whatever attention, money, and support our campaign gets to bring attention, money, and support to our principled, hardworking, down-ticket candidates who have a greater probability of being elected. Third, to energize and grow our volunteer base by encouraging local participation. And fourth, to put to bed once and for all the tired notion that the only way we can be successful is by watering down our message and fashioning ourselves in the style of our opponents. Right on. Thank you, Ms. Ruff. All right, candidate two. Dan Taxationist Theft Berman is a software engineer, entrepreneur, and speaker on government, economics, and technology. For years, he has directed his ingenuity towards government, finding flaws in the system in need of repair, opportunities for corruption that need to be removed, and searching for innovative solutions that would allow both the left and right to get what they want without having to take from either side. His creative solutions have found support from around the world. He previously ran for the Texas State House of Representatives in 2014. Mr. Dan Berman, you have the floor. Hello, thank you. So my entire platform is basically founded on the principles that taxation is theft, all forms of taxation, all forms of government taking money from us without our consent, and that we are not government property. Um, and that's really the whole thing. What I'm, what I really want to do with this is kind of find a different way. Um, you know, everybody thinks the president is just going to be some guy who comes in, waves some magic wand, and waves his fists around and says, "Okay, we're going to change all this stuff. We're going to make stuff happen and give every everybody everything that they want." The reality is that comes from kind of like a, a warmonger mentality that we used to have when nations were invading each other. Even though that's kind of what we're stuck in today, but we we really, you know, if we're going to shift into this intellectual era where we're not fighting so much anymore. We're actually becoming intelligent thinking beings. We need to shift that mindset into something that, hey, we need thought leaders. We need problem solvers, not somebody who's going to come in and beat everyone around and say, hey, this is how we're going to do things. Somebody that's going to come in and say, hey, look, there are actually ways that we can figure things out to solve all these problems and get everybody everything that they want without taking it from somebody else. And that's that's really what we need to do. Right on. Thank you very much, Mr. Berman. Candidate three, Arvind Vora, is an American politician, author, educator, and former vice chairman of the Libertarian National Committee. Vora ran for the Maryland House of Delegates once and for the U.S. House twice as a Libertarian. He was a candidate for U.S. Senate in 2018 election in Maryland. Arvind Vora founded a company that helps students who are taking college entrance exams. His Vora method approach uses nonlinear worksheets to provide individual learning in group classes. And the author of the already acclaimed and controversial book, Pull Out! Mr. Arvind Vora. Go ahead, sir. Guys, thanks so much for having me on. If you're watching this debate, you probably already know that if I'm elected, the first thing I'm going to do on my very first day is I'm going to start pardoning. I'm going to pardon Assange. I'm going to pardon Snowden. And I'm going to pardon Ross Ulbricht. I'm going to take the role of partner in chief to the next level. I'm going to pardon all nonviolent drug users 
nonviolent drug takers, nonviolent drug sellers, nonviolent drug traffickers, nonviolent drug kingpins, people like Ross Ulbricht. You already know that I'm going to do everything that I can to completely dismantle the welfare state, including getting rid of government schools, shutting down departments like Health and Human Services, ending Medicaid, ending supplemental security income. That's basically social security to people who never paid into the system at all. You know I'm going to shut all of that down if I'm elected. You know that if I'm elected, I'm going to shut down all involvement in NATO and all foreign action and foreign military conflicts that have nothing to do with us, bring the troops home, and cut taxes accordingly. That you already know, but if you want to know if, if you are what's really on your mind, what's really on a lot of your minds is this, if I'm elected, is that gonna make your life difficult? Is my desire to provoke controversy, is my aim to go after the most important issues gonna make your life harder? I'm here to, I'm, and I'm here to tell you right now, yes. It absolutely will make your life harder. If I am the candidate, your life is going to be harder because, listen, you won't be able to socially avoid questions by discussing soda taxes or abstract ideas like, you know, should we have patents? You're going to have to discuss the core of libertarianism, ending government schools, leaving NATO, getting government out of education, out of our personal lives completely. If I am elected, I promise I can't guarantee you an electoral victory, but I can guarantee you a culture war over things like government schools, over taxation. And I promise you this, if I am the Libertarian Party 2020 nominee, you will see more people homeschooling by the end, more people refusing to enlist in the U.S. military, thus making these involvements impossible. More people nullifying the drug war through jury nullification following the great tradition that brought us freedom of press in America. I can't guarantee you an electoral victory, but I can guarantee you a cultural war that will change American culture and American politics and, yes, American policy. My name is Arvind Vora, and I am running for president of the United States of America. Wow. Thank you, Arvind. I appreciate it, man. And candidate four, Ben Letter, was born in the city of Dallas in 1983 and has been a lifelong resident of Texas. Having been an entrepreneur since his early youth, Ben has enjoyed spending most of his adult life creating jobs for people in his community. Being a staunch advocate for the rights of the individual, Ben believes that the libertarian brand is the best vehicle to carry the message of liberty forward. Mr. Letter, the floor is yours. Thanks, Johnny. And again, I'd like to thank everybody uh, for coming tonight. I think this is this is really special. Um, Forty-seven years ago, um, we were uh, our country was in a place where we were living in the Kennedy Center. Uh, we were at the height of the Vietnam War, and great sense there was something wrong politically in this country. A few guys, a few guys got together and created this thing called the Libertarian Party. And we are all united here to use this this brand, this vehicle that created to pursue liberty politically, through activism, through business, uh, entrepreneurship. And we have a real opportunity before us to use technology like this to break away from media, which for the last years hasn't been a friend to the Libertarian Party. All of you bloggers, podcasters, internet authors, you know, out there, I ask that you become the media. We do this independently. And moving into 2020, I ask you to consider all of these candidates because they're all fine choices. And I ask you to follow all of them on social media and share their content. Uh, my campaign will be available uh, to assist in local races 
that's historically where we win. And we got to develop reputations locally. And uh, last but not least, I want to say, if you are a felon, chances are there is a pathway for you to be able to vote in this country. Not only that, but you can run for federal offices, U.S. Congress, U.S. Senate, and president, like I am and, and the rest of the folks here. And if you want some assistance on registering to vote or learning how to you know, launch a campaign and become a candidate, please contact my campaign at benletter.com. My name is Ben Letter, and uh, I yield the remainder of my time. Right on. Ben, thank you so much. Okay, so what we're going to do here, the rules are pretty simple. Myself and Raylene will ask you a question, and for time purposes, you'll have two minutes to answer each question. For all follow-up responses, you have one minute. The person originally asked the question also has an additional one minute to offer any rebuttals or add-ons that are presented. For the interest of time, please, let's keep debate short and adhere to the rules. And before we actually start the debate, let's do a quick little question session with the candidates that all you guys have to answer in order based on the poll from Blastoff. So, to all of you, we'll start with Kim Ruff. How much time do you have to devote to this campaign and for you running as the President of the United States as a Libertarian? Well... I haven't quite mastered the ability to bend space or time, so I surmise I have as much time as everybody else, which is 23 months. Right on. All right. <laughs> Dan, your turn, Mr. Berman. All right. Well, um, I, uh, as a software engineer, I do have a full-time day job, but at the same time, I get to work from home, which means I get to save a couple hours a day on commute, which gives me a lot more extra time to work on the campaign. Um, this is something I have been working on for a long time, and it's something I'm able to quickly jump from day job into um, campaign mode and get a lot done. Also, I've got a lot of people working with me on the campaign that actually helps get a lot more done than just being able to um, do everything myself. And um, I've been traveling a lot in, in and out of the United States. I'm actually going to uh, Uganda in a, in a month or two to speak and get libertarian support. So I'm actually traveling a lot and, and speaking to a lot of people, something that I don't see a lot of candidates, even in the small races do, um, to actually do a lot of outreach to non-libertarian groups, which is really, really, really important. So that's that's where I'm getting a lot of support for my campaign. And this is one of the most important things when it comes to growing the party as well. All right, Mr. Arvind Vora. A few years ago, I realized that I wanted to make this a central part of my life much more than it had been. So I changed so much of my own business model to allow myself the flexibility to do just this. It's already been tested. In 2016, I was one of the basically fourth in line for interviews during the Gary Johnson campaign. I would do several interviews a day, some on net major national media, some on international media, some on local media. I think I've already proven that I can handle this kind of a schedule. I have designed my business so that I can handle this kind of a schedule. And I have as much time as anybody else to spread the word of ending government schools, of leaving NATO, bringing the troops home, ending the welfare state, and abolishing the income tax. All right. And Mr. Ben Letter. Um, I, I might be the, uh, the most available out of, out of all of us. Uh, we, uh, we're all competing for the same team. When we score points, it goes on the same side of the board. But uh, we're all competing against each other for stats. And while you're sleeping, I'm going to be working. While you're at work, I'm going to be working. While you're playing with your kids, I'm going to be working. While you're having fun, I'm going to be working. Um, and that's just how I am. Uh, I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. And that, you know, I, I consider that my life, a way of life. And when I focus on something, I go all the way. 
All right. Thank you very much. And Raylene, take it away. All right. Let's start with Kim. How important do you feel the down ticket is and what would you do as a candidate to support them? The down ticket is exponentially more important than the presidential ticket. The primary thing with the presidential ticket is that it's supposed to be a face forward figurehead. This is a person who has a wider platform and a greater opportunity to speak a message. But the probability of getting elected is highly unlikely. As such, it is better for us to focus our energy on the down ticket, which is primarily what our goal is on this campaign. We plan to use whatever exposure, any opportunities, any money, any support we get to constantly redirect interested parties to focus on our down ticket candidates. Of course, the candidates have to be principled. That is a critical aspect. But participating locally, getting involved at that level, that is where you have the greatest chance to make a huge difference. And the whole point of this is that the individual should have that power. And second in line is the community. So we want to build that above all else. Great. Dan? So um, I think it is also very important to work with all the down ballot candidates. What I think is really interesting about this question is when we focus on, as a lot of people have, party over principle, what we end up with is a lot of candidates who aren't necessarily libertarian. I know nobody's really a libertarian except for Clayton Hunt. He's the only real libertarian. Um, But everybody has their own idea of what a libertarian is. So there is no perfect libertarian. But we do get a lot of candidates in who are their one issue people who, you know, they're like, oh, let's legalize weed or let's protect gun rights. And then they come in and then they come up with something that's completely off base. Like, okay, I got this really great idea. It's going to be a brand new tax. Um, that's completely not libertarian. Um, so there, there is a certain um, a limit on the down ballot candidates. Now, at the same time, we shouldn't really be pushing candidates, even the presidential candidate. What we are doing here is we're trying to push an idea. We're selling a movement. Um, If we want to get people involved in this and we really want to get the world to change and we really want to get this country to change, we need to be pushing the ideas more than the candidates. And that needs to be the most important thing that we're pushing, because if all we're doing is pushing candidates, then, hey, it's just another pretty face. Who cares what they stand for? Who cares what rhetoric they can regurgitate? It really doesn't matter. They're not going to support any down ballot candidates and nobody's they're not going to be reverberating the same message between each other. So what we really need to do is we really need to need to get on point with our message and we need to share that. And when we share that with our down ballot candidates, we're actually going to help each other reach these goals and and not necessarily get more votes because that's not ultimately the main goal. It's change people's minds and teach them how to think like libertarians because ultimately that's how this country is going to change. Okay. Armin. I think Dan's right. The changes that need to happen, the successful changes that have happened in American culture and politics have not been electoral changes. They've been changes like, for example, the idea that active consent matters in sex. That if somebody has not said an absolute yes, they haven't given consent. Imagine if we could have the same principle applied in economic things. Imagine if we could appreciate this fundamental libertarian idea that consent, active consent, absolutely matters. That to take somebody's money without their consent or over their objections is morally and fundamentally wrong. The successes of the libertarian movement so far, the big successes, haven't been The electoral successes. Yes, we've had electoral successes and they've done great things. I'm not trying to say anything bad about them. But the really huge success in the libertarian movement have been things like the two million people who are now homeschooling, 
saving $20 billion in taxes a year, or the additional 5 million people who are using private education, combined, that is equivalent to the cost of the entire drug war. Culture changes are going to matter, and the presidential candidate needs to set the tone of those culture changes. Our last candidate was a great guy, very charismatic, well-spoken, but when it came down to it, he did not have the spine, he did not have the backbone to stand up for our actual principles. If I'm elected, if I'm your nominee, I absolutely, you know I absolutely will stand up for libertarian principles, even if I'm the only person in the room doing so. That's the kind of support that the presidential candidate needs to give. It's not just about money. It's not just about signs. It's about making sure the whole country knows what libertarianism actually is, rather than spreading the kind of confusion that we've seen from our last few presidential candidates. Right. Ben. I think everybody uh, was really on point with this question. I think it's something we all, we all agree on a lot. We don't win. We've never won a presidential race. We've never won a, a governor's race. We've never even won a congressional race, if I'm not mistaken. So the down ticket candidates are where the victories are. The presidential campaign might be where the focus, a lot of people like to focus on that. And, and I understand it's, it's intuitive, but I think it's crucial that whichever one of us uh, or whoever walks away with the nomination uses their campaign and the attention that the presidential campaign gets to leverage that media, especially that local media. The president has never come to Gun Barrel City, Texas. So I bet you every every blogger and even the local news around here, you know, would would show up, you know, if, if they thought that they could get a little presidential action for their local media outfit. That's big for a local media outfit. And use that to leverage the local campaigns and the local parties. We need to build our local county affiliates and our local county affiliates need to have um legislative agendas and, and and the candidates need to be pushing these legislative agendas and needs to define uh, what we're doing. Uh, I, I'm, I'm working on putting together uh, several legislative items of which, you know, candidates from across the country can participate in. I think that we need to craft the language of freedom and, and put that into law and, and begin to repeal uh, all of these, uh, you know, all, all of this legislation has just become a, a weight on our backs as, as a nation, and it's going to take us all to work together. So I would like to see the, the local uh, candidates start putting together legislative agendas to affect change in their area, and I'm looking forward to supporting every campaign across the country I can. Thank you so much for that. And, uh, okay, here's a question again for all of you. What would a little research tell us about you guys? So we'll start with you, Miss Kimberly Ruff. Probably the primary thing is that I have an IMDb page. That's <laughs> you can see some of my terrible student films. <laughs> but everything else that you want to know about me, at least what looks good on paper, you can primarily find by doing a background check. I'm not sure what else you're looking for. <laughs> okay, uh, and let's go with Mr. Uh, Berman. If you did an internet search on me, you're going to find out all kinds of things. If you look at my international and national media, you're going to find out a lot of things. But here's the basic fact. If you look into me, you're going to know that I oppose government schools. You know that I'm going to do everything I can to get rid of them. You know that I believe a president, that I will be a president who is a partner in chief, who's going to pardon Snowden, Albrecht, and Assange. If you look at the media that I've done that has reached not just thousands, but millions of people, you know I've never passed an opportunity to talk about ending the income tax abolishing the welfare state, 
ending the war on drugs, leaving NATO, bringing the troops home. And that's something that's known not just in the United States, that's known internationally. I've had friends who've been on vacation, for example, in Italy, who just happened to be watching the TV and saw me there talking about why the United States should leave NATO. My messaging is clear. My messaging is all about leaving NATO, about ending the welfare state, about abolishing government schools, about ending the income tax and about taking on the role of partner-in-chief. And if I'm the candidate, if I'm the nominee, I guarantee you every person in the United States and probably pretty far beyond will absolutely know that. Okay, Mr. Berman. Thanks for that, Arvin. I needed a couple extra seconds. Um, <laughs> I, I actually had to go Google myself just to make sure I'm, uh, I'm not leaving anything out. Um, I don't know how much you're going to find out out about me because to tell you the truth, I haven't, I, I've been trying to stay out of the system as much as possible. I'm sure you can find some dirt on me, but I haven't had a driver's license in at least 10 years. I don't live in the United States right now. I'm back and forth all the time. I'm still registered to vote. I'm actually registered to vote in two states um, because apparently there's no way to unregister to vote when you move. Um, or maybe there is, but I didn't get the packet on that. Who knows? There's, uh, there's probably a lot of really interesting things that you'll find out about me. Um, and of course, any statist would come around and figure out how to turn that into some criminal accusation. But the reality is uh, we're, we're kind of living in a false belief system that we have to ask government permission to blow our nose, to do anything that, that you can possibly imagine. We need government permission. But the reality is, as I found out over a decade ago, is most of this is all smoke and mirrors and you don't need government permission to do a lot of what they tell you you do need. Now, of course, as government keeps growing, then, yep, they start punishing punishing you more and more for doing those things without asking for permission. But the reality is there is still a lot that you can do without asking for government permission. And it's not a crime to do so as much as they try to make you look bad for it. So uh, I don't know. See what you can find. All right, Mr. Letter. Let's wrap this question up. I am a convicted felon. Um, and that shouldn't be part of the fine. I was convicted for marijuana. And if you're going to try to print out my criminal history, you might want to order some new printer ink first. Just a little heads up. I was a bad kid. And uh, through the entrepreneurial experience, uh, that's what kind of lifted me out of, uh, you, know, you know, being involved in a lot of those things. But, uh, you know, the nature of what we're doing, um, if there's not something bad about each and every one of you out there floating around already, give it a few days. You guys have entered an arena. We've all entered an arena. Uh, there's going to be all kinds of stuff said about all of us. Uh, and, and who knows if it's true or not. Um, look at look at the media today. You know, every day we've got some kind of wild scandal uh, popping out, uh, you know, um, and it, who knows if there's any even any credibility to it. It seems like, you know, there's a lot of people just making things up nowadays, you know, the, the fake news. So the, the main point here is, is before you believe some uh, some hit piece, and believe me, there will be hit pieces on every single one of us. Get to know us. Get to, you can. It, we're all very easy to get to know. You can find us all on social media. Uh, you can talk to us uh, pretty much anytime you want. Get to know us. Find out for yourself. You know who we are as people. Right on. Thank you, Ben. And again, Miss Raylene Lightheart with the last question before our first commercial break. So take it away, Miss Ray Ray. Okay, let's start with Kim. Name something you respect about each of the other candidates in this forum. Oh, I think it's pretty obvious. The thing I respect about all of these guys is that they're incredibly principled and consistent and they're in it for the very same reason I am because they genuinely care about advancing the message. That's awesome to me and I am deeply honored to be in their company. 
Awesome. And Dan? Well, I have to say that I think everybody here is is very cooperative when it comes to working with each other. I think we're all, we've, we've all, you know, just to put this debate together, um, and I can see going into future debates, we've actually been working really hard to make this a thing, and, and we have been working together on our message. Um, you know, we're very friendly. There's no, like, behind-the-scenes thing going on where we hate each other and we want to kill each other, you know, like you might see between Trump and Hillary or something like that. Um, I don't know, maybe they are on the same, same team. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> Um, you know, Kim, I haven't uh, known Kim for too long uh, personally, but I have worked with her putting this debate together and it's been really great. She's been very helpful and cooperative. Arvin and Ben, I've both been able to have um, very good conversations with about various libertarian topics, and I think they're very well principled. Um, there's not much that I can say I disagree with them on and the things that we do disagree with on there, you know, we're able to have a civilized conversation about them. Um, so I, I think that's really awesome. And I think we have a great, um, a great set of candidates here and I can't wait to see where we go with this. Awesome. Arvin. I think there's, there's, I mean, of course there's the universal thing of, of, you know, everybody here is very principled. Uh, there are things that I do respect individually. I really respect the fact that Kim is a, is a very deep and intellectual thinker. You know, she often will say things in a way that I'll just say, wow, I never really thought about that. I really like the fact that Dan, he really gets messaging on two extremes. He knows how to do the hardcore messaging, but he also knows how to do the messaging that's not going to scare away people while still remaining principled. If you haven't seen any of Dan's taxation of theft videos, I highly, highly recommend them. They're a great example of how you can be principled and still kind of surreptitious about it and still really get things in under the radar. Uh, ben, I don't know as well now. I mean, we've talked. I have a lot of respect from so far. He, you know, as far as I've seen, he's fearless, he's bold, he's anti-status quo. I think those are the things that we need to see in any kind of a libertarian leader. Um, I'm sure I'm going to get to know all these guys a lot better over the next few months, but that's where I'm going to say right now. Those are the, the, the strengths that I'm seeing so far. All right. Ben. Man, what hasn't been said? I like working with every single one of these people. Uh, it's it's been uh, a joy to work with everybody to organize this independent uh, debate. You know, Kim and I go round and round in the Radical Caucus board meetings all the time, and I respect that she puts up with because <laughs> I drag the, I drag those things out, and I know Kim wants to go um, sometimes. And uh, Daniel Berman, I respect how he has developed this taxation is theft brand and has really made it a thing and, and continues to make it a thing. I mean, he even has a custom tie on. And I, I don't know if those are available for sale for everybody, but, uh, you know, I think everybody would certainly like to have one. And he's he's making those products available, uh, you know, which we need more of. We need more libertarian uh merchandise we need to be like uh you know uh, the music industry or anything else you need to have merch for everything and uh arvin bora I, I respect how unapologetic he is I, I respect how he really tries to challenge the narrative of the party the the way that we think and force forces us to, to defend our positions by assaulting the uh, the status quo and the taboo. Right on. Anyway, so this is Blessed Up with Johnny Rock, and I'm here with my Ray of Truth, Miss Raylene Lightheart. We're going to take a quick commercial break, so stick around. We'll be right back. Rock and roll. Are you tired of banging your head against the proverbial wall of politics and getting nowhere toward actually making your life more free? Are you tired of interview podcasts that have the same guests as every other libertarian interview podcast out there? Are you tired of hearing the same news stories that you can hear on the mainstream media? 
then you need to listen to The Lava Flow, where we don't do politics and we don't do the major stories that exist only to divide you. We talk about news that affects you and your freedom, and we work to find solutions that can actually help you to be more free. LAVA stands for Libertarian, Anarcho-Capitalist, Voluntarist, and Agorist. And if you consider yourself to be in any of those categories, all of those categories, or just interested in learning about them, then the Lava Flow Podcast is for you. Check us out at thelavaflow.com. The Lava Flow Podcast, channeling the flow of information to the Libertarian, Anarcho-Capitalist, Voluntarist, and Agorist community. Thelavaflow.com. This is Chris Spangle, and I am the host of We Are Libertarians, which you can find in iTunes, Google Play, or at wearelibertarians.com. We are a podcast that brings you all of the irreverence that modern politics deserves by examining current events from a libertarian perspective. So please, check us out at wearelibertarians.com. It's time to shake up your podcast feed, folks, by subscribing to Lions of Liberty, the only libertarian variety show out there. Spend Mondays with me, Mark Clare, as I feature in-depth interviews with great names in the libertarian community and fun roundtable discussions. Electric Liberty Land with me, Brian McWilliams, every Wednesday, your weekly dose of comedy, culture, and liberty. And Felony Fridays with me, John Odermatt, where I expose injustice in the broken criminal justice system. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and at lionsofliberty.com. And now, just to remind you what our candidates here are really up against, I present to you the last four presidents. Bill Clinton. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. And she said it was okay for me to love balloons. You may have noted that the media all over America made fun of me at the Democratic convention because after Hillary spoke, they dropped all these balloons and I was the last one playing with the balloons. And so I asked Mary, there she is, I said, you think I'm too old to like balloons? She said, no, you can't be too old to like balloons. So there it is. I have it on authority that it's okay. George W. Bush. Our enemies are innovative and resourceful. And so are we. They never stop thinking about new ways to harm our country and our people. And neither do we. People in Louisiana must know that all across our country there's a lot of prayer. Prayer for those whose lives have been turned upside down. And uh, I'm one of them. We got an issue in America. Too many good docs are getting out of business. Too many OBGYNs aren't able to practice their, their love with women all across this country. I oppose breaching those dams. I know the human being and fish can coexist peacefully. Barack Obama. Everybody knows that it makes no sense that you send a kid to the emergency room for a treatable illness like asthma. They end up taking up a hospital bed. It costs when if you they just gave you gave them treatment early, and they got some treatment and a a breathalyzer or an inhaler, not a breathalyzer. Donald Trump. We are also praying for the people of Puerto Rico. We love Puerto Rico. In the disaster, probably has never been seen for something like this. This is an island. It's 
surrounded by water, big water, ocean water. And if this didn't bring a tear to your eye, just remember, tens of millions of people voted for them, sometimes twice. here for the 2020 presidential radical debate here on Blast Off exclusively. The first debate ever here on Blast Off also. So thank you guys so much for checking us out and listening to this awesome debate and panel that we have so far. Now the debate begins. Again, I'm going to read the rules. The rules are relating to myself. will ask you a question for time purposes. You'll have two minutes to answer each question for all follow-up responses. Candidates will have one minute. The person originally asked the question will also have an additional one minute for any rebuttals or add-ons. And for the interest of time, please adhere to the rules. All right. So, Raylene, you're going to have the honors with the first question. So, rock and roll and do it. Okay. Kim Ruff, how would you promote free markets as a libertarian president? And where would you target first in your approach to unfettered liberty? Wow. That's very broad. (laughs) There's room Um, to move. (laughs) (laughs) Well, coming from the perspective of somebody whose family owns a small business and having worked in the private sector, particularly for small business for a very long time, I think the greatest thing I could do is to advocate for loosening the rules and regulations that stymie entrepreneurship. We currently saddle small businesses with an extraordinary amount of taxes on property, capital gains, equipment. Additionally, they have to pay payroll taxes. Now they're on the hook for health care. There's workers' compensation. There's myriad different things that prevent small businesses from being successful. Additionally, they're required to do professional licensing for most of the trades. So if we got rid of things like that, then we would be able to encourage more of a free market system. On the flip side, we would want to eliminate crony capitalism. Any sort of subsidies or incentives that are provided end up harming the uh, the competition and innovation. Any follow-ups? To me, the biggest area where we need a free market right now is in education. I don't know if you've ever been to a homeschooling convention, but here's what you see. You see all these competing innovative companies offering educational services, and you see all these different families as the customer. It is a perfect example of a true free market, unregulated, unfettered, unbothered. Now imagine if that was not just for this tiny percentage that's homeschooled, but for everybody. Imagine the amazing jobs that would be created for educators, game designers, curriculum designers, teachers, lecturers, movie makers, everybody. And imagine the amazing opportunities that you would have for clients, for customers, uh, uh, for parents and, and, and kids. That's what we could have. That's the kind of growth 
that we could have in the educational sector, I believe that it would be as big as or bigger than the growth that we saw over the last decades in the modern tech sector. And to me, when I talk about free markets, that to me is the number one area where a free market would have the greatest economic growth and the greatest positive social and cultural impact. Anybody else? Yeah, um, this is something I've always harped on. We need free market education. And something I want to talk to you guys about is what kind of legislation or legislative ideas can we come up with uh, to make that happen, help that transition take place? Obviously, there's a, a federal department of education, so that's one issue. And then, you know, it also takes place on, on like the local and state levels, right? One thing that I see is people, uh, you know, a barrier to homeschooling is, so let's say you want to homeschool, you're still having to pay uh, for all the same taxes that would go into if, if, if you were just going to the school anyway. You're paying for it, but even though you're not using it. So what if we uh, came up with some uh, recommended legislative language uh, that would uh, provide uh, tax credits, let's say, uh, you know, for homeschooling. If you, uh, if you homeschool your children, you receive a, a tax credit for the value of that. And people can begin to transition out of the system. And they're not um, economically cheated for, you know, out of paying for something that they're not even using, um, A, and, you know, they're actually using another service. So it's kind of like a you know, a, a double tax or a hidden double tax for a homeschooler. You, you want to you know, educate your kids, but you still have to pay all the same taxes uh, for the school that you're not even using. Um, anybody have any thoughts on something like that? They actually did propose something similar here in Arizona where it was to be school vouchers. It wasn't necessarily commensurate to the amount that private education would cost, but it was some portion of their taxes back if they chose to opt out of the public education system. It didn't pass. (laughs) There you go. But it was something that was proposed. Okay, moving along to my question. In light of the escalating threats from North Korea or elsewhere, what measures, if any, would you support to address our nation's security? And we will start with Mr. Berman. Um, that's a really great question because that's one thing that, you know, libertarians are often faced with, okay, but if we get rid of all these taxes, how are we going to have a military? How are we going to defend ourselves? And, you know, all these other questions come up. I think the most important thing that we need to do is act defensively only. Uh, most of our military budget is spent offensively and it's spent on all of these ridiculous programs. A lot of it goes to the CIA, which how much did they did they uh, misplace? Ten trillion dollars, something like that. We need to stop doing that. And if we if we were to only assemble ourselves defensively, I mean, there's not a lot of people that are trying to invade us anymore. Um, and, you know, it was said um, it was said in World War Two when there was the possibility of Japan invading us. Well, no, there would be a there'd be a rifle behind every blade of grass the the reality is we have this we have a massive army in this country of 350 million people um, we're not going to be invaded it's it's practically impossible and if somebody wanted to attack by air we i'm sure we'd find some way to defend against that but if we're fighting defensively especially with you know we've got all kinds of um, you know, we, we have the technology for basically automatic defense weapons. If there's a missile coming at us, we can, we can basically shoot a drone up there that's automatically going to track it down and take it down. We, we, you know, we don't need a massive military to do this sort of thing, but it's defensive. Nobody's going to try to do that to us because they're basically afraid of us at this point. Um, so I think most of these threats that we have are, you know, they're, they're imaginary threats that are made up by the people who are in charge because they want to control us. 
The same way that they make us afraid of Mexico. I've been living in Mexico for over a year. I haven't seen one rapist or one murderer since I've been here. And I've been looking. A lot of this is just, it's, it's, it's um, fabricated fear. And, you know, North Korea, when's the last time we said, hey, um, let's, let's maybe try to talk to you and say, you know, we're not going to fight anymore. Middle East, same kind of thing. We have, we have all these terrorists, which is supposedly a problem in the Middle East, who want to attack us and kill us because we're free. The reality is they want to attack us and kill us because we've been killing their parents and grandparents for the last, I don't know how many years. So if we stop acting offensively and only defensively, a lot of our problems are going to solve themselves. Okay. Does anyone have anything to add to that? I I would like to add to that. Mr. Fora. Okay, so the, the biggest weapon that we have, and, and I, I'm, I'm a little bit in a different position than Dan on this, because I do believe that there are cultures that pose a threat to us, and I think the way to fight those cultures is with our better culture. The way to do that is through trade, because ideas spread through trade. Right now, when it comes to North Korea specifically, the U.S. government's current policy is to prevent ideas from spreading. In order to basically let them keep brainwashing their people, the U.S. has passed embargoes against various things, including luxury goods. Now, I don't know about you, but one of the things that I think is really convincing about what's good about capitalism is luxury goods. Let people all over the world see the wonders and magic and miracles produced by capitalism, by secularism, by liberalism. And let them say, I want to be like America. We don't need to force our culture on anybody. We have a great culture. Let's spread it through trade. Right on, Mr. Fora. Anyone else? Really quick. I agree with what Arvin just said. Uh, the, the recipe for peace is trade. When you have a strong business relationship with somebody, uh, that's a strong incentive uh, not to pick a fight with. Because you don't want to screw up the good thing that you got going. We live in a world of trade opportunities that we haven't even begun to fully understand yet. But this modern uh, internet, automation, uh, delivery, uh, the world's turned into a much smaller place. And we should be looking for business opportunities, not war. Right on. Kim, do you have anything to add? No, the guys covered it. Okay, Mr. Berman, you have anything to say before we move on? Yeah, I, I would actually say I completely agree with that. I think, you know, the first step is to stop attacking everybody. And then the second step <laughs> would be to, to open up trade with them. Um, but really, like when you talk about, you know, we're, we're taking away um, someone's right to trade. It's not even the governments that are trading. The governments are fighting. Most of the people in North Korea don't want to fight with most of the people in America. It's the leaders who want to fight with each other. And we're the ones who suffer. They take away our right to trade with each other. And so that's after they've taxed us to death. Now they're going to take away our right to trade. And that's where a lot of that shame comes from. All right. Well, thank you all very much. Miss Raylene, go ahead. Okay. Arvin Vora. Both Obama and Trump have utilized social media, specifically Twitter. What will be your policy as nominee or POTUS on social media interactions? And how concerned are you with representing the party when doing so? When it comes down to social media, it needs to be a weapon and a tool for cultural change. We can do today what the 2016 campaign did which is pander, pander, and pander. The Johnson campaign, among some of their other bizarre decisions, put signs outside of military barracks, uh, campaign signs. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't advertise the military bases. I'm saying that we should advertise to them, leave the military, stop being part of the problem, stop being the tools of the government's war, Come and join the Libertarian Party and fight for something better. And yeah, it's going to get some blowback, but that is what happens when you try to spread the truth to where the truth needs to be. 
My goal on social media is to make sure that the real libertarian message, ending government schools, ending the welfare state, ending the income tax, the ideas of active consent being applied to not just sexual issues, but economic issues. I want to spread those ideas far and wide. And the reason that I believe that social media should be used boldly is because that spreads things farther. When it comes to traditional media, I believe that we should be clear and bold and unapologetic. When I'm on traditional media, even if my tone is a little bit different, I still talk about leaving NATO. I still talk about ending government schools. I still talk about ending the welfare state, and I still talk about ending the income tax. The Libertarian Party is a party that opposes welfareism and opposes taxes. It is not just a party that that wants to be able to change these minor things like when you can sell alcohol or whether you can have open containers. So how I'll handle social media, I'm going to handle it boldly. boldly. It's going to be the centerpiece of a cultural war to change American culture, politics, and policy. Any retorts? I only have an addendum. I I would say that largely the responsibility and role of the president is to be the, the face forward representative of the nation. And as such, being out there, including on social media, which seems to be the go to for most young people, is the best way we can do that. And again, as Arvin said, it is imperative that we are bold and unapologetic in our representation of these values and beliefs. Otherwise, we will continue to perpetuate the system and the tyranny that we exist under. Right. Ben? Absolutely. I think social media is key. Uh, Through the 2018 election, I was able to, uh, you know, go live like we are right now uh, with candidates, local candidates across the country. And it's an opportunity for us to use to use our campaigns uh, to cast a a light and, and focus on those those local campaigns, which that's where our victories come from, like we spoke about uh, earlier. And this is huge. You couldn't do this a few years ago. What we're doing right now, you couldn't do it. You know, 47 years ago when this party started to do a live shot was a major undertaking. And we're doing it right now from the comfort of our own homes. And that's, that's, that's an amazing, amazing capability. And we should, we should use it. And I, I ask that all of you guys... Uh, go live as much as possible and invite uh, invite other people in the party to go live with you and bring them along this this journey and becoming our own independent media uh, and uh, just kind of breaking the chains of dependency there on uh, mainstream major you know media news outlets. All right, Dan, anything to add? Yeah, um, so I, I want to say, you know, I think the question itself is actually fundamentally flawed. Um, I wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> When you ask, good job, really. Good job. Um, you know, how are we going to represent the party? The social media part is, yes, yeah, social media is awesome. It's just another form of media. It doesn't mean we should stop using any other form of media, even though this one we have the easiest access to. It's a given. It's easier for us to use. Uh, it's easier for us to use than getting on TV. But I think the the going back to representing the party, um, this is kind of a fundamental problem I have with the party itself that. We shouldn't be representing the party and the party should not be representing us because, like I said earlier, there's no such thing as a perfect libertarian except for maybe Clayton Hunt um, because the, the reality is we're all different. We all want to live different lives. And so I might have one certain lifestyle that half of the country doesn't like. And when we say, you know, the libertarian party supports, um, you know, gay relationships, 
And then it also supports legalizing marijuana or cutting taxes. Now, we might have some people who come to the party on that one issue of, hey, I want to get rid of some taxes. And then they say, oh, but you support gay marriage. They're going to leave for that one issue also. So I think fundamentally, we're not here to represent a party. We're here to represent the idea that we're each individuals. We each have different lifestyles that we want to live, and we're supportive of that. We're supportive that these people over here want to live one certain way. These people want to live a different way. And it's not any way that I want to live, but I'm completely supportive of the fact that they want to live that way, and nobody, nobody else should interfere with that. Can I just uh, add one more point to that? One of the really amazing things about social media is it does allow that two-way interaction. Uh, and that has, in the last few years, it's been so incredible to talk to people who've talked about how they decided to leave government schools to become homeschoolers or why they decided not to enlist. But it's also really helped me personally connect with people that have chosen opposite directions because having talked to so many people about why they chose to enlist, why they decided to go down this, how they regretted it later. Now when I'm talking to young men around the country and young women around the country are considering enlisting, I have a better understanding. And that comes from the two-way nature of social media. I think that's a really important aspect of it. It's been important for how I use it. And I really think it's really how, how it's meant to be used. Right on, Mr. Vora. All right. Question four goes to Mr. Ben Letter. Would you use executive orders to remove existing laws and agencies that you deemed a threat to liberty? If so, which would you target first and why? Probably withdraw the funding from the ATF. (laughs) Because we have a a whole agency that's based upon regulating things that are legal. Alcohol, tobacco, firearms. I mean, what do we need them for? Okay. Does anyone have anything to add to that? I wouldn't mind adding a couple things to that. Uh, one thing, I mean, obviously I've talked about how I'll be using the power of pardon to pardon people like Snowden, Assange, Ulbricht, nonviolent drug users, nonviolent drug sellers, et cetera, et cetera. But I absolutely do believe in the power of the executive order to get rid of existing departments and laws, many of which were created by executive order. Uh, some of the things at the top of my list, Department of Health and Human Services, Department of Education, Department of Energy, uh, Department of Homeland Security, shutting down many of the foreign military bases and bringing the troops home. I know that's not shutting down the whole Department of Defense, but it's really scaling it back. Those are the types of things that I want to do as president. That's what a libertarian president should do, is to use that power to d- reduce the size of government in massive and significant ways. May I tackle this? Yeah. Okay. This is actually probably one area where we're going to diverge. I personally am vehemently opposed to using the power that's vested in the executive branch in its current incarnation to do good or ill. I think that executive orders are grossly overused and they exceed the originally defined scope of that position. I would like to get rid of all of it because reducing the executive power is incredibly important to me. But I don't want to abuse that power to do so, if that makes sense. I would like to scale everything back to the constitutionally defined limitations, not use this power that shouldn't be there to get rid of things. If it's not, if it's not within the scope or the role or responsibility, I'm not comfortable using that. I, uh, yeah, I, I partially agree with that. Um, I would say that, you know, the executive order is, if you look at fundamentally what is the Constitution, the Constitution is permission. It was, you know, not permission that we gave, but it was, it was permission that a group of people gave to 
congressmen, and congressmen gave permission by writing laws to the executive branch to do certain things, and they gave permission to the judicial branch to do certain things. And so that's permission. The president has permission to do certain things. Running the executive branch is one of those things, and that means running all those departments. He has permission to run the IRS and the ATF and all these other organizations and to make them function properly. Functionally, he has the ability to say, okay, I'm going to take my energy away from one of these departments and put it in some other department. He has that ability um, because that's his, that's his permission. It's not his obligation. And so there, there are useful functions of, I'll completely agree with you. You know, it's not up to the president to say, oh, I'm going to make a new law. We're going to totally change how this works and I'm going to do whatever I want, even though it's unconstitutional because I have an executive order. But I think that the one department that we really need to focus on is the IRS. Now, I've heard a lot of people tell me, because I've argued with a lot of, of left-type people, Democrats, um, socialists, whatever you want to call them, who say, I love paying my taxes. Well, that's absolutely wonderful. Let's get rid of the IRS, and if you love paying your taxes so much, pay it directly to the Treasury. And then, if you want, you can earmark that check that you're sending to the Treasury and say, hey, I want it to go to Department of Homeland Security or NASA or whatever program you're interested in. Send the money directly there. It's completely voluntary. But let's stop throwing people in prison for not paying money on a tax system that's basically a, an illegal tax that's enforced unconstitutionally. Um, Highway robbery, theft, fraud, all kinds of things go into that, the way that the IRS operates illegally. Exactly. Um, and, and let's stop doing that. And the, the greatest thing about that is when we stop doing that and we start having budget deficits that start increasing and increasing and increasing, what does that do? That puts pressure on Congress to say, hey, you know what? We got to get rid of the ATF because they really don't do much for us and we don't have the money for it. We got to get rid of the Department of Education because they don't do much for us. Let's just give the power back to the states because we can't afford it anymore. Problem solve itself. There you go. Okay, anyway, so this is Johnny Rocket, and I'm here with my Ray of Truth. Raylene, prepare for landing. Roger that, Johnny. Seatbelts and shoulder harnesses. Your body, your choice. Landing gear and downward expanders. AP initiated. Anti-state superchargers. Defragged and woke. Landing lights and guest websites. Candidates, give us your .com starting in reverse order with Mr. Ben Letter. BenLetter.com. There you go. All right, Mr. Arvind Vora. Boat Vora. My last name is V-O-H-R-A.com. Mr. Daniel Berman. Berman2020.com. That's B-E-H-R-M-A-N-2020.com. And LegalizePineapplePizza.org. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Miss Ruff. Uh, RuffPhillips2020.org and also joke website, thelongestp.com. It's the best one ever. I love that name. It's awesome. Anyways, this is Johnny Rocket. If you guys like this interview and this debate and this panel and discussion, whatever you want to call it, please check the rest of it out on our Patreon at supportblastoff.com. Again, that's supportblastoff.com. Anyways, this is Johnny Rocket, always launching ideas, and we'll see you next week. Rock and roll.